Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome to the Hockey News Podcast, presented by BetMGM and McKenney Hockey. I'm Mike Stevens. This is Ryan Kennedy. As always, it's the greatest time of the year, yes. Ryan. It is the second round of the NHL, or the Stanley Cup playoffs, as we like to call them. Lots of great, fun, you know, frenetic matchups that are, that are coming up. We will preview all those. Let's get started, though, with, uh, with, with some headlines and some postmortems here. We're going to start yeah. with, this one is kind of a, a combination of both, I'd say, if you will. Um, Daryl Sutter, it seemed like the inevitable, inevitable move was coming, and the thing is we've talked about Daryl Sutter and the problems in Calgary so many times in this podcast throughout the year um, that we won't have to touch on too long, but finally the, the other shoe has dropped. Daryl Sutter relieved of his duties uh, as Calgary Flames head coach for, you know, or with the Calgary Flames at least, for the second time mm-hmm. um, in his life. Ryan, where do the Flames go from here? Well, you know, it was clear that they needed a different culture in the locker room, a different environment, you know, Sutter, very intense guy, and that, that's pretty much come out in the, the exit meetings. Uh, for me, I think you look at Mitch Love, the Calgary Wranglers coach, uh, you know, the Flames AHL affiliate. You know, he, he's been a head coach for a couple of years in the AHL now, uh, done very well, developed some, some excellent prospects at this point. Um, and again, new voice, a uh, bit of a younger guy, uh, you know, he's also coached a major junior, has a pretty good track record wherever he's gone. So for me, that's the, the sort of natural uh, progression here. What Calgary does uh, you know, remains to be seen. It's still very early, but that, that's where I would sort of look at. He's the two-time reigning AHL Coach of the Year. Can't do better than that. Um, very well respected among AHL circles. That's what everyone says, and that's what people who, uh, I believe, you know, one of the co-hosts of our uh, are on the A podcast on the Hockey News mm-hmm. Network. Go, go listen to that. Uh, Patrick Williams says that he's you know, an incredibly respected person. Um, and he's also overseen you know, two players who will likely contribute really, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, contribute really, really you know, greatly to the future of this team in Jacob Peltier and Dustin Wolf, mm-hmm. who will likely start the season, hopefully, at least for his sake, start the season with uh, the Flames next year. What I found really interesting, though, is I'm not sure if you caught this, but um, Jonathan Huberto went on French radio. Now, did you see this, Ryan? I did not. Okay, so here's the thing. NHL players, they love going on a radio, uh, they love going on radio or in print in their native language. Yes. Because so many of these quotes, they always fly under the radar. And right. Jonathan Huberto just sort of was like as candid as you could ever expect a guy to be about Sutter. He basically said, we just didn't get along right from the start, basically. And then he also said, uh, he, he broke down the whole Jacob Peltier um, um, quote, uh, uh, you know, fiasco after his debut and saying, right. basically, why would you say that in the media and then go and tell the kid he played well? We had to really console him and then we had to just sort of be like, well, that's Daryl, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And, and he also said, you know, the kind of hockey that he was trying to make us play, it's totally against the kind of hockey I play. That's why there was such a big gap in points. Mm. I believe he finished with 150 in the year before then, like 55 this year. So he was really candid about it. And Frank Saravalli on, um, on the Daily Faceoff show said that uh, Daryl Sutter alienated 
quote, 90% of that organization, he said. Right. Uh, and it wasn't just from players. It was like equipment staff, assistant coaches, whatnot. So it seems like this was, uh, and, and then Darren Dreger, further to that, after Brad Tree Living uh, stepped down, um, or they parted ways, or whatever you want to, the political way of, of saying sure. it, um, said that there were players on that team who were, even were under contract for next year and years in advance, saying they were they were going to straight up threaten not to return to the team if Daryl was behind the bench. So it, it seemed kind of seemed like a, a you know a chicken before the egg kind of, of thing of of you know getting rid of of Brad for a living when I when it was reported a big thing he wanted to do was do a coaching change that was yeah. blocked by ownership and then to finally make uh, you know exact that coaching change after he's gone. But it seems like this is the right move, you know. Yeah, the right move, but a couple of weeks too late. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it's just like it seems like everything is a couple weeks too late. They called yeah. up Dustin Wolf right after their playoff hopes were done. So it's like, what's the point, you know? Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. But you know, new era in Calgary. They still have, they still have the bones of a roster that we all thought was going to be a contender yeah. last year. Yeah. So maybe all it takes is a coach who just makes life fun in Calgary and goal and, and obviously goaltending. And yeah. good thing they have one of, if not the best goalie prospect in the NHL right now uh, on deck. And a guy who, yes, he was terrible in goalie this year, but, you know, he was nominated for the Vesna year before. And, you know, he's known for having a on and off kind of a, a career. Mm. Who knows? Maybe he rebounds. I'm very bullish on the future of, of uh, bullish is positive, right? Yes, it is. Okay, yeah, good. I'm very bullish on uh, the future of, of the Calgary Flames with go. someone um, someone who is head coach. That would be great. Um, but all right. Someone who, a team that I'm not as bullish on, the New York Rangers, who mm. fell in just, it was sort of a, such an anticlimactic end to a series that was very climactic. Sometimes game sevens are like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, like, this was, uh, I, always, I, I tease it as the Sopranos versus Succession, you know? It right. was the, the New Jersey, like, hey, yeah. you know, kind of guys. And then it was the, you know, the posh Manhattan uh, folk, if yeah. you will, of the Rangers. And they were battling it out. And you have Akira Schmidt and, 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 uh, and uh, Igor Shosturgeon having a goaltending duel. Stars on both both sides, Patty Kane, Vladimir Tarasenko, Timo Meyer, mm. and then it goes to Game Seven in Newark. It's the only game on TV uh, on Monday night. Recording this on Tuesday, only game on TV. 8 p.m. start, so right in the middle of prime time. Yeah, a four nothing fart. Really, it was tough. Although Devils fans will not complain. Oh, absolutely yeah. not. But Ryan, let's do a little bit of a post mortem. Let's uh, uh, let's be the the mortician in a in a CSI show. Yes. They're always sassy, cracking wise yeah. around the dead bodies. Um, so why don't we do that with the Rangers? What went wrong? Yeah, I mean, team speed obviously was an issue. Uh, the stars, for the most part, did not show up. Mm -hmm. Panarin um, one you know, five on five point. There was a secondary yeah. assist. Yeah, so that's tough when you don't have guys like Panarin, Zibanejad going. I mean, that's a big part of your draw there. And I think, you know, a, another target that you have to look at is, like, the kids from the kid line, like Alexi Lafreniere, zero points. Okay, it wasn't just zero points. It wasn't just zero points. Zero points, zero assists, yeah. zero goals, zero shots, plus minus was zero, and zero net takeaways. He was out there doing cardio, basically. Yes. You know that Tony... He was Riley Nash. You know the, the Tony Snell meme that we see over there where it's, like, his stat line in 28 minutes one game was zero, zero, zero. Right, that right. was him. It was wild. Yeah. So, I mean, this is clearly a win-now team. You bring in Tarasenko and Patrick Kane. You're going for a Stanley Cup. Oh. They're not going to be able to keep those guys. Uh, I mean, maybe if one would take a tremendous discount, maybe you could keep one, but probably not either of them. Yeah. So you have to look at the future and say, okay, well, you know, other than Lafreniere, Capocacco, um, 
and I guess to a lesser extent, Keandre Miller, who's still pretty young. It's like we're not getting younger as a core. So can we keep up with the New Jersey's and Carolinas of our division? Because that's essentially what you're going to be asking yourself <laughs> for the next few seasons. Um, you know, you're going to make the playoffs because you have Igor Shosturkin, you yes. have Adam Fox, um, you know, you have weapons. But can you get past the first or even second round? At this point, it's a great question. And is Gerard Gallant the coach to do so? That's another question that Chris Drury is going to have to ask himself this offseason. So, there, yeah, there's a lot to, to break down of what you said. And, and that Igor Shosturkin, I believe he, he stopped 8.4 uh, goals above average, which is double the next closest goaltender in the first round. Yeah. He was... He got zero help. I'm not sure if you saw the deserve to win meter from last night. It was 91% wow. for, uh, for the Devils. The Rangers played about as poorly of a Game 7 as you can. Yeah. Um, so, yes, obviously they have Shesterkin, and, uh, and he's, he's ready to rock. He's locked in there for in the next two years after this season. Um, but then you have to – you're right. You have, there are a lot of tough decisions they have to make. You're likely going to lose Patrick Kane. You're likely going to lose Vladimir Tarasenko. Alex Lafreniere is an RFA, you know, Andre Miller is an RFA. Um, you know, you have a lot of guys, uh, you know, that are, that are coming up, you know, Tyler Mott, do you bring him back? You know, and, and we already saw that this is a team that was stacked. They were loaded. They, you know, I, I, I was writing the game, the game story um, from last night for this game. And I was trying to, I was trying to list, like I was trying to do sort of like, oh, on a stacked, on a stacked New York roster that included stars such as, and I realized I was listing them all out. I'm like, this is way too long to include in like a right. sort of brief part of this article. I'm like, I'm just listing the roster. Yeah. So I had to, I had to like break it down to just three. Yeah. But even then I was like, I'm miss, I'm not even mentioning like because of Jad or guys right. like that. Right. Um, so this is a stacked roster. This is likely the best roster they'll, they'll have. Uh, moving forward here, like they don't have any, you know, blue chip prospects come like ready to come up right now. Yeah. Um, they they don't have uh, you know, they don't really have any cap space to go out and do crazy stuff. Yeah, maybe like if you can get Brendan Othman and or Will yes. Kiley, uh, but those guys, you know, you're probably, I mean, they're going to have bottom six roles just based on who you already have, and that's fine because both of them can play physical, uh, and both of them can provide you with offense. Uh, but you're right, there's not like. I, it's this is the core that they have unless they want to make a big shakeup. And if, and if this team couldn't get over that hump in the first round, like yeah. how light, how you know how confident are we that a team missing guys like Kane, missing guys like Tarasenko, mm-hmm. you know, are, are going to be able to do it next year? It's it's look the playoffs are random. The floor as we're going to get into the Florida Panthers somehow knocked off the the best regular season team we've ever seen. We're gonna again we're gonna talk about that, but it just this 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 is as. This is as big of a gut punch as I think you could be dealt uh, in, in a Rangers organization that, mm. remember, like, they had to basically commit like tax fraud to get, <laughs> to get Patrick Kane on the roster. Right. And to, to bow out in the way that they did, yeah. it's tough. And you bring up the coaching, the coaching thing. Apparently, from a lot of people that were around the, the team during this, this series, um, it seems like Gerard Gallant might have coached his last game. And there's a lot of whispers about Joel Quenville. There are, um, and you know, obviously, whether or not he he should should be able to come back into the NHL is a is a conversation, a longer conversation, more nuanced conversation, I think, for another day. Mm. Um, but there are a lot of question marks about, around the the New York Rangers after this. There really are. Yeah. All right, let's do another let's do another uh, post mortem here. It's the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. The Toronto Maple Leafs. They finally did it. They, they got did. over it. after. It's funny. The Leafs outplayed Tampa. All through last, uh, all through last series uh, in in 2022, 
um, ended up on the losing end of things. And then Tampa really, <clears throat> ever since game two, they really speed bagged them. Like for, through most they of carried the, the play for the most part. Yeah, and yet the bounce has finally landed mm-hmm. the Leafs way. So now Tampa is sitting here. They got a lot of decisions to make. Mm-hmm. You know, they have Alex Klorn as a free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that Steven Stamkos is entering the final year of his deal. Um, a lot of old guys, a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot of stuff that is going to be difficult to, to sort of maneuver through. First of all, what happened with Tampa? Like, what, what went wrong, and also where do they go from here? Yeah, for me, this, is a, this was a beat-up team. Oh. And it started early in the series. Even with game uh, one, which they ran away with, I remember thinking to myself, this was a Pyrrhic victory. Yes. Because they lost Eric Chernak. You know, Hedman uh, missed part of that game. And then missed the next game. And then missed the next yeah. game in what we are now learning was a, a hip impingement. Okay, do you know what that is? I mean, not medically, but I would assume that it would, you know, hurt your uh, mobility and your ability to turn, which is pretty important for a defenseman. Ooh, so it, so you know how your hip is like a ball, and this is like a your mom, it's a yeah. it, ball and socket. It's when the 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 ball of the hip pinches up against the cup, like it's oh, it just it's. Sounds Something bad. gets stuck in the joint. It's not uh, good. So for him to be playing through that, right. I, I don't know how he did it. Exactly. Sorry, and, and, you know, and that was a reason mm. why Toronto could get those late goals. Um, is Hedman was not the Norris Trophy winner that we've seen in the past. Uh, Chernak did not play the series. Tampa Bay, they don't have the depth mm-hmm. to be banged up. Yes. Right? Uh, especially, you know, when one of the guys you brought in at the deadline, Tanner Janot, turned out to have a high ankle sprain and was limited in his effectiveness. Uh, and, you know, I, I know the, the Bolts see a future for Darren Radish. but As they should. As they should. But there was way too much responsibility placed on him, uh, particularly in the middle of the series, I would say, where the Leafs kind of exposed him. Um, for me, I, honestly, I'm pretty optimistic about yeah. Tampa because I look at the roster and say, okay, well, if all those guys are healthy and, and Braden Point is healthy because he had a mm-hmm. uh, rib cartilage, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's maybe a different series. And mm-hmm. we've said this time and again, no team has played as much hockey in the past three, four years as Tampa Bay. Now those guys get an actual summer. Yes. Andre Vasilevsky can just chill out yeah. with you know, a coconut drink where you just put the straw into oh, the coconut. The best. He can sit in a hammock for like a month. The more accoutrement around the drink, I think, the better it tastes. Umbrellas, you know? yeah. Umbrellas. The whole thing. Straw. Maybe it's a twisty straw. I don't know. I think that'd be pretty you sweet. No, that's yeah. that's up to the person themselves. Um, but yeah, now you know, Stamkos can just chill. Brain Point can just chill. Kucherov can just chill. Into like hyperbaric chambers if they want to. Why like not? they should. Yeah. yeah. So for me, like, I don't think there's a lot of questions around Tampa Bay. This mm-hmm. is a team that they could win the Stanley Cup next year. Yeah, they absolutely could. And I'm looking at their, like, they, they do have a couple of questions, but it's not really huge core guys. Like, unless mm-hmm. you want to count Alex Kalorn as a core guy. Yeah, um, and he's certainly very effective in the playoffs. But, I mean, they have sacrificed guys in the past and still had success. Here's the thing, though. Alex Kalorn, yes, he is, he is quote-unquote effective in the playoffs, but... People forget, and and I remember I kept bringing this up during the playoffs, specifically when we were on the when we were boots on the ground in Tampa and Denver last year. Like he didn't score a single goal during their cup run last year. He, I believe, when he when he scored in game three or game two, I can't remember one of those uh, um, in Toronto. That uh, that was his first playoff goal in like twenty games. So like, or or maybe even more than that. I'm, uh-huh. I'm pretty sure. So 
yes, he uh, he does. He, he he's a good sort of I think glue guy in that room. Yeah. But you're right. They have sacrificed the Tyler Johnsons, the the guys like that. They, Yanni you know, Gord. Yanni Gord. Even yeah. the uh, as much as it pained them, and that they could have used a guy in a series like this, the Andre Pilat. Andre Pilat. And I'm sure that John Cooper looked like he was. He, John Cooper looked like he was about to cry when he was talking about Andre Pilat at the start of the series. Yeah. Um, like he legit, I'm not joking. That's not an exaggeration. Yeah. Like he looked like he was like my son. Like he, yeah, he yeah. Went. Um, well, and, and, and sorry, but the one that yeah. I, I called this as soon as it happened last summer. What was it? Ryan McDonough. Yeah. If oh, they had oh, Ryan McDonough, oh, this, this series might have like. It's a wrap. No, it's 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 a wrap. Yeah. If they look, because they were already missing Cernak, but if you if you're able to fall back on Ryan McDonough, yeah. and, and that's the that's the brutal reality of the salary cap is that exactly. was the only reason they traded that guy, and yeah. he has always been really good, but. Look, I think that I think also Tampa and what's going to help them is the fact that they found these contributors out of nowhere, right? Uh-huh. Nick Perbix, where did that guy come from? And he's mm-hmm. playing top four minutes in the playoffs yeah. and and controlling play. Darren Radish, who is like an offensive monster from the blue line in the AHL, yeah. you know, he ended up playing really well. You know, they're, you're getting uh, you're you're getting really good contributions from these guys that came out of nowhere. Um, and look, they they do like I said, they you know Ross Colton's an RFA. What's he going to get? You know, but but the guys that they're they're thinking of losing like. Alex Kalorn, I think you can probably pave that over. Like it, it might, yeah. th- you might lose something in the leadership side of things because he's obviously been there forever and, and he's very well loved. But yeah. you know, you might lose something leadership wise. But Ross Colton and RFA, you, you think you might even if you have to bridge him, you get that. Corey Perry, he, he he seems like he wants to stay. He probably won't take that. I, I bet he'll probably sign for a million dollars like he did before. Yeah. Belmar made a million. He's thirty eight. I feel like he probably would think if they want him back. Um, he would think, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll take whatever I can to stay on Tampa. You know, it's, it's yeah. you know, it's, it's a pretty good place to play. And then you have to figure out what Tanner Juno's uh, uh, Tanner Juno's contract looks like, which is going to be mm-hmm. interesting. But he doesn't really have a leg to uh, pun intended. Unfortunately, pun intended, he doesn't really have a leg to stand right. on in negotiations. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was very. Un- I did not mean to do that, but um, you know, it's and then obviously um, Mikey Asamot, who showed a lot of good stuff, and mm-hmm. I think could be a very his his he's an analytical darling who came out of nowhere. Yeah. He's a Group Six free agent, so they 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 will try and lock him up. But mm-hmm. you're right, they could come back and they could win the Cup next year. And here's the thing, after last year, they locked up all of their important guys. You know, yeah. they have Sergachev, Cernak, Sorelli, uh, um, you know, all of these guys under long-term deals. Yeah. Pretty good. All right, moving on to the. The craziest postmortem I think we have to do here is the Boston Bruins. Yeah, and you know, in the in the wake of the loss to the Panthers, I think the biggest thing was Linus Allmark was battling injuries. Yes. Um, you know, Jim Montgomery probably should have gone to Jeremy Swayman a lot Way earlier. Early. Yeah. And it's tough too because Swayman's a very good goaltender in his own right. I mean, Allmark's probably going to win the Vesna, mm. so it's like I get it. You go with your guy uh, who has been so good all year, but Jeremy Swayman uh, has been fantastic pretty much his whole young Bruins career. Mm. Um, some of the big guns weren't firing, and you know they missed Bergeron for a good chunk of the series. That never helps. And Krejci. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I don't know if the the loss of those guys hindered David Pasternak's production. I mean, it certainly couldn't help, you know. Mm. Um, But you know what? This is a team that I think, I mean, we've seen it before to lesser degrees where a team coasts into the playoffs. The team they're playing against had to scratch and claw just to get in, which is the Panthers. Tampa with Columbus, you know? 
in yeah, 2019. And, and, you know, Matthew Kachuk has been saying it. Like, they've been in the playoffs for, like, a month already. Yeah. You know, so I think that factored in. And then, obviously, you know, the Allmark injury and some of the other injuries they had. Um, the problem with the Bruins, of course, is it really looked like that was Patrice Bergeron's final goodbye. Just based on the emotions on the ice, based on his interactions with Brad Marchand in particular. So without him, and then you, and does David Krejci come back? I mean, he's kind of in the same boat. This seemed like a last ride for he him. He already kind of retired from the NHL once, mm-hmm. went back to Czechia, and then came back. Um, so you lose those two guys, and all of a sudden, what does your center depth look like? You know, it's basically Charlie Coyle and whom? I mean, you can go to the free market, I suppose, but like, like you're not going to be the same Nick Foligno, like <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's, it's tough. Yeah, this was—I mean, this was obviously Boston's year, and it didn't turn out. So now it becomes a matter of okay, how far do we fall next year? I don't think they're going to be like tragic by any means, but there's work to be done. No, I mean they're not going to be tragic by any means. They still have Allmark. They still have you know uh, uh, McAvoy. Yeah, McAvoy, Pasternak just yeah. had that pricey new extension locked in here. Taylor Hall's still in there. Brad Marchand's still in there. Jake DeBrusque is still in there. You know, you can go down the list. Pavel Zaka just signed an extension. But they have a lot of UFAs. Like, if you look mm-hmm. at this, like, like, you know, obviously Nick Foligno is coming up. But then you have Bergeron, Tyler Bertuzzi, Thomas Nosek, Garnet Hathaway. Trent Frederick is an RFA. David Krejci, UFA. Jacob um, Lauko. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, obviously, Dimitri Orlov will likely walk. Uh, and then you have to start dealing with, uh, you know, Jeremy Swayman is an RFA, you know, yep. do you keep him? There's a lot of, of different, um, there's a lot of moving parts here with, with Boston. You're right, this, this seemed to be, and, and Taylor Hall even said it, it's funny because he said it during the, the best of times, if you will, I think after when they went up three, or either two or nothing or three one or something like that, um, is in that, uh, look, th- th- this is likely my best opportunity to win a Stanley Cup and that's not lost on me. That's what, mm-hmm. that was his exact quote and you know, look, look what happened. Yep. Um, it, this is, this is, uh, this is, is this the biggest, bu- like, uh, um, I would say, like, upset, fumble of the bag in NHL history? I mean, probably statistically. You think about Tampa Columbus, that was a big one. You think about, like, back in the 80s, the miracle on Manchester, the Kings coming back on the Oilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was obviously easier to score goals back then. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's certainly up there. Like, it's tough to find another one where it's the, the team... Like, this is the best regular season team of all time. Yeah. They finished 20 points ahead of anyone else. And they had home ice advantage. They had everything going for them. Yep. And they blew it. That's the long and short of it, yeah. Yeah, it, it, this is tough. It, this is one of those... This is where Bruins, Bruins culture, if you will, and it, it is real, let oh, me just say. Sure it, is. it is. not a made-up, yeah. you know, like, intangible thing that, you know, guy, journalists who call themselves scribes make up, you know? Yeah. Which is my biggest pet peeve in the world. Um, no, but, like, this is, it is legit, but this is where it's going to be tested. Yeah. Because this is, the kind of, this is the kind of loss that can haunt a team, and we, we see it in the city that we live in with the Leafs, yeah. where, where, you know, it, this can haunt a team, I, I wonder how this will how this will sort of like hang over them moving mm-hmm. forward. All right, let's let's talk about teams that are still in it though. Okay. Let's let's, let's tee up this exciting new round of hockey yes. that we are getting into that will kick off tonight. Um, and let's start with the Devils, the New Jersey Devils versus the Carolina Hurricanes, a team you know coming off a of Game Seven, another team that you know was able to to t- take care of their business in six. They're a little bit more rested. Who do we got for Devils and Canes? You know what? I think this is going to be the closest series. The Dougie Hamilton Bowl. The Dougie Hamilton Bowl, mm-hmm. for sure. The red and black bowl. Um, I'm going to say Carolina in seven. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you look at expected goals for, which seemed to be a pretty good corollary in yes. the first round, not that I'm a, a advanced stats guy, but I read smart people and they tell me these things. Uh, Carolina and New Jersey were like the best two teams. Yes. Uh, Carolina with a slight edge. Uh, and that's why I would give them a slight edge here. Interesting, interestingly enough, um, you know, Akira Schmid, now, the, at least for now, the starter for the Devils. Carolina, yeah, Carolina obviously does not have much of a book on him. Mm. Um, you know, but the Canes interesting uh, themselves because Auntie Ronson did a lot of the heavy lifting early. Frederick Anderson came in at the end. Uh, Coach Rod Brindmore has said, I mean, he's open to the idea of a bit of a platoon situation, mm -hmm. at least early on. And I think when you have two older goaltenders like that, you might as well. You might as well make sure that somebody uh, has some freshness just in case. And you want somebody to go on a run, but they did have a bit of a luxury mm -hmm. in that Islander series um, where, you know, if, if things went wrong, then there was another elimination. You game. have a safety you know, net. You have a safety yeah. net. Um, I mean, I love New Jersey's speed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think they have, even though they are young, they have guys with experience like Andre Palat that can lead them as he did in the Rangers series. Uh, but Carolina, I, I feel like people just don't talk enough they don't. about how good Carolina is. One of the best teams in the regular season. The best coach team, I'd say, too. Uh, certainly up there, yeah. yeah. And, you know, they, they just take care of business. And uh, I, I think that that's going to maybe just be the little bit extra that they need. Um, but, I mean, if the Devils won in seven, I wouldn't be shocked either. Yeah, I, I, I'm picking Devils in seven. I think this is going to be, obviously, like you said, the tightest, or one of the tightest, if not the tightest series. Um, and I do think that, I think the Devils' speed is just gives them a little bit of that, like a little bit of an edge. Like, I look at Carolina and I love their roster, mm -hmm. but they are banged up and they are missing... Um, uh, an offensive threat in Andre Svechnikov, and I think if they had Svechnikov, I'd be taking the uh, the Hurricanes. But like the Devils, they they have Timo Meyer seemed to survive the the car accident that yes. he was in last night, basically. Yes. Um, and you know they have Jack Hughes and they have Timo Meyer. They have I think a little bit more high end talent, if you will, up front. And they have the speed and they have this mobile defense core. And these are two mobile defense cores, obviously. They're oh, yeah. very good at moving the puck up the ice. Um, but then, I, and I cannot believe I'm, I'm saying this in a, in a series where they have Akira Schmid in it, but I do think they have the edge in goaltending. I wouldn't be surprised. You know? Yeah. I, look, Frederick Anderson was able to exercise his demons. I think he was like 0-11 in games where he was able to close out the series, yeah. and he, or 0-8, one of those two. And he, and he was able to do it, um, but I, I just like, I, can't, I don't know if you can trust Frederick Anderson to be, and like you said, they have a tandem. That's fine. But these are two injury-prone goalies. They're mm -hmm. old, and they've shown that you know, like they, 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 they aren't the maybe the best in pressure situations. And Akira Schmid, this guy was a glacier. Like, like he was he had ice in his veins, man. That's Nothing. Right. You know, he was thrown in in one of the most difficult situations you can be thrown into as a young goalie. Mm -hmm. um, he's only 22. Like, keep in mind, this is a yep. very, very young goalie. Yep. And he led that team. You know, he was able to drag them through that series. I, I'm taking Devils. In seven, but man, this is going to be a war, yep. I think. All right, let's do Leafs and Panthers, you know? Yeah. Uh, kicking off tonight. Going to be fun. Who do you got? I'm going to say Toronto in six. Okay. Uh, and I do think that Florida is going to win one of the first two games. I don't know if it'll be the first or the second. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I feel that ultimately, you know, Toronto 
has kind of clobbered Sergei Bobrovsky this year. Yes. I believe he's played them twice. Alex Lyon was five the f- goals each. Now I was on, I was at Morning Skate this morning. Alex Lyon was the first goalie off the ice. Well, that's intriguing. Yeah, and we all know what Alex Lyon did to the Leafs towards the end of uh, March with the season on the line. Right, with, that was, with Florida season on the line. With Florida season on the line. Not Toronto. Yes, that yeah. was his defining Lion King, as they call it. That's moment. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, undoubtedly, the Leafs will have scouted since then. So, mm-hmm. that will be interesting, but maybe, maybe that is the one. Maybe Lion steals game one for them. Um, but, you know, you look at the Leafs and all that high-end talent. Um, you know, I mean, Florida... They're going to be a very tough out. I think Matthew Kachuk is going to be, obviously, a huge X factor in the series. But the matchup that I'm kind of intrigued by is Luke Shen and Matthew Kachuk. Yes. Because Matthew Kachuk is going to go to the net. He's going to create havoc. Uh, I saw a stat. like I think he had four assists from directly behind the net in the first That's round. That's amazing. Yeah, led the league there. So you know where his office is. Mm. He's going to try to get in Samsonov's kitchen because that's what he does. Uh, Luke Shen is the obvious nuclear option uh, to dissuade him from that. And if I'm Toronto, as well as Luke Shen has played, because he's been one of their best he's been defensemen. Amazing. Yeah. If I can trade five minutes of Matthew Kachuk yes. off the ice for five minutes of Luke Shen, I will take that because Kachuk has been such a catalyst, one of the leading goal, one of the leading scorers, point scorer. yeah. yeah, in the league and in the playoffs. Um, I think Toronto just has a little too much firepower. I think that uh, the way Florida is forechecked, it, it was certainly very effective against Boston. I don't know if it will be as effective against Toronto. Um, I think we could see a lot of trading of chances. And I think that favors Toronto. Yes. I think this is going to be the loosest Toronto Maple Leafs team we're going to see in a very long time. Very possible. This you, every, no matter whether it was a random regular season game in February or a, the start of media day or, you know, the, 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 the pregame media availability before, um, you know, game one of the playoffs, the, everything this team did was defined by the fact that they have not been able to get out of the first round right. in the time it has taken to birth a child and raise it to adulthood. Right. You know, and so the fact that they were able to get over that, I even just saw it today, loosey-goosey. Yeah. You know, Sheldon Keefe was smiling. You know, it was like people, like guys, were obviously saying, you know, like job's not done. And I think they, they definitely mean that. But getting that monkey off the back, I think, is going to be the biggest. Just like people aren't, I think people are underestimating how big of a relief that is for the team itself. Yeah. And look, Florida is, they are, they are cloaking themselves in the underdog. Uh, they're, you know, sort of like mentality. You know, Matthew DeChuck, that was the biggest thing he was saying in his press conference this morning where, you know, no one thought we'd be here. No one's expecting us to do it here. Yep. We got to play, you know, we got to be the scrappy underdogs. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think the Leafs with the high-end talent they have, they played really tight in the Tampa series. They were really terrified of, of making mistakes and taking penalties and this, that, and the other. They finally got that off their back. Now they're just a, now they're now they're another one of the eight teams that are still remaining. You that's know? Right. I think I think that's going to lend very well to um, their style of play. And I I'm going to take uh, uh, I'm going to take Leafs in six as well. Um, but I, look, and I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to seven. But I do think that this that that the Leafs are at least going to start the mm. series a lot better than they did against Tampa. I think it'll be uh, you know I think if if it, if it is. If it doesn't have going seven, it'll be a one, 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 you know, like sort right. of like a tennis match, and the Leafs just end up having to be able to win that last game. Gotcha. Um, all right, Kraken versus Stars. Yes. The Seattle Kraken shocked the world 
they beat the defending Stanley Cup champions mm -hmm. um, in the Colorado Avalanche in their, just their second year. They have finally made, they, they have made, it, it's their second year in their first playoff appearance. They have now won their first playoff round. Remarkable. It should be a story that is getting way more play than it is. Yep. Um, now they're playing off, they're, they're facing off against the Dallas Stars. Mm -hmm. Who do you got? I have Dallas, I'm going to say in six, because I respect the Kraken. Yeah. And you got to respect the fact that they knocked off uh, a Colorado team that was banged up, but was still Colorado in the end. Uh, a Colorado team that Philip Grubauer was just all revenge against. Yes. Uh, he played fantastic against them uh, pretty much all s season. Yeah. Uh, didn't have the same again results against Dallas, so that's interest interesting. Here's my favorite stat that I looked up. Right now, we have one series in the books, 15 different Seattle players have scored a goal. No one has scored more than two. Wow. So good luck figuring out who you're going to put your top line against because yep. pretty much anybody. Oh, and one of the players that did not score, uh, Jesper Frogan, played four minutes. Oh, okay. And nine seconds. So not Jesper's fault that he didn't you know, mm -hmm. score more than that. Um, ah, that's what you're saying. Yeah, fair. I'm pretty hard on Jesper myself. You should be. Yeah. Um, Dallas, on the other hand, they've had a lot of power play success so far in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Seattle had a very good penalty kill. Um, so there's a lot of different factors here. But I think that, you know, um, Ruby Hintz has been one of the MVPs of the playoffs oh, so far. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Jake Ottinger in net. Mm -hmm. I, I, I was trying to think of it. Is Jake Ottinger the best goaltender left in the playoffs? Because no Vassy, no, no Shesterkin, no, no Sorokin, Sorokin, no Hellbuck. No Allmark. No Allmark. Yeah. So Ottinger might be the best goaltender left in the postseason, and he yeah. plays for a team that's pretty good in front of him. He, I think you're right. Linky is. There you go. Jason Robertson had two goals in the first round. Mm -hmm. He had a bunch of assists as well. Yes. But Jason Robertson is a legit 50-goal scorer. And there's still you feel like there's still... So there's yeah. something coming. You know, they got some secondary offense from guys like Mason Marchman. Um, you know, Tyler Sagan's playing well. So I, I think Dallas... They, they always strike me as a serious team. Mm -hmm. Like, we're not messing around. Yes. This is not like a flight of fancy for us. Mira Heskinen. This town ain't big enough for the both of us. Yeah, Mira Heskinen yeah. is an, yet another sort of like unsung hero oh. in the NHL. He's the most underrated player in the league. That's I've, I've said that time and time again. Fair play. Yeah. So I think the Kraken are going to give them uh, some fits, but I think mm. ultimately Dallas is going to prevail. Look, I, I do respect the Kraken. I obviously do. Um, I'm going Dallas in five. That's fair. Uh, and mainly because I don't think Phil Grubauer hates the Dallas Stars as much as he does the right. Colorado Avalanche. And um, I don't, like, look, if you go on sample size, like, yeah, Phil Grubauer is really good in that first round series. He's also been, like, an 890 and below in the last two years. And I think that you, you end up facing the 50-goal scorers in, in Jason Robertson, mm. you know, a resurgent Jamie Benn, yep. uh, you know, a, a playoff point leader, who, which is 12 points, uh, Rupe Hens. Um, I just think it might be a little much, a little much, too much to handle. And if, if Grubauer falters, you have Martin Jones to fall back on. They yeah. don't have a good sort of 1B or plan B. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think the Stars are going to handle it pretty, pretty convincingly. But then again, we said that for Colorado. The Kraken are a score-by-committee kind of mm -hmm. team. It just seems in the playoffs is where stars sort of elevate themselves. Yeah. And I think that, you know, like, as, this, as the series grinds on, the, the stars on the stars are going to elevate it. And I don't think the Kraken have that. They, uh, right. they don't have that high-end talent. I don't think they'll be able to match that. So, yeah. yeah, but, man, like, 
all the credit in the world to the Kraken. They, they drew an extremely difficult first round uh, matchup. No matter how banged up Colorado is, they still had McKinnon, Rantanen, mm-hmm. McCard, Taves, the list goes on, and they were able to, uh, to do it. That's so, right. Pretty remarkable. All right, and then finally, our last preview is the Oilers versus Vegas, or as I like to call it, Jack Eichel versus Connor McDavid. Yes. But finally, what is it, seven years in the making? Seven, eight years in the making now? Yeah. We finally get Jack Eichel, Connor McDavid in the playoffs. Yes. So I'm going to take Edmonton in six for this one. Mm. Uh, I just feel like the firepower that they have, and granted, there's an upper tier on the Oilers, yes. consisting of McDavid, Dreisaitl, and then my breakout star of the playoffs, Evan Bouchard, yes. who has been tremendous on the back end. I believe he has 10 points already. Uh, I remember in his draft year, scouts telling me when he played for the London Knights, this kid has the, makes the best stretch pass in the entire draft. Obviously, he's added a lot of elements to his game since then uh, and been great on the point on that absolutely vicious power oh, play man. that they have there. Um, Goaltending is going to be really interesting because, I mean, Vegas does have shooters, mm-hmm. right? No doubt about that. Eichel being one of them. I know Phil Kessel was a healthy scratched at the end there. Uh, so who knows how much we'll see of him. But, I mean, they've got weapons. No doubt about it. They also have Mark Stone, who being that rare Selkie-worthy winger, yes. I'm sure is going to have his eye on the big two anytime he's out there. Um, and they do have Alex Petrangelo, who is a wealth of experience and a Stanley Cup. Um, I'm just, is it Laurent Bossois versus old teammates McDavid and Dreisaitl? Like, do I, am I comfortable with that if I'm Vegas? No. Not particularly, even though he clearly, you know, earned the job in the first round. Um, but that to me is the sort of breaking point where I can certainly see Vegas winning some games in this series. Um, you know, you kind of always, I think at this point, chalk up one Oilers loss that they should have won. Yes. Uh, yeah. Whether it's because of goaltending or something else. Uh, but I do think that just with that high end, it's just going to be too much in the end. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, but I'm, I'm going Oilers in seven. I think this is going to be a knockdown dragon out of the series. I do. Um, you bring up a really good point in goaltending because I was looking at it and it says that Logan Thompson hasn't resumed skating yet because I think you put Logan Thompson in there and it changes sort of the complexion of it. Mm-hmm. But the thing, the, the Kings missed a prime opportunity because they they missed, um, they were able to hold McDavid and Dry, Dry is a different animal, but they were able to hold mm-hmm. McDavid relatively as 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 much at bay as you can at even strength for him. He was still, yeah. I think he only had one even strength goal. So, and they still lost. Right. So, so they were they contained Connor McDavid as much as you can at even strength, and they still were able to, to lose. We know that there is about five extra levels of Connor McDavid that he has, if not more. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that's terrifying for Vegas. He is, like we keep saying, he is a Chico. He yeah. is the one sort of like non-goaltender who can sway a series by himself. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's going to be too much to handle, but... The credit to the Vegas Golden Knights. They have a really solid team, a really solid roster. You know, Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, uh, Marcia So, Riley Smith, Petrangelo on the backhand, Shea Theodore, mm-hmm. McNabb, guys like we can go down the list. Um, that's an extremely talented group. And I think if they had a, if they were able to have a, a healthy Logan Thompson or even a healthy Aiden Hill in net, I might give them the edge, honestly, in seven. Mm. But 
Laurent Brassois going up against this murderer's row, especially like you know, depending on what happens with the power plays. But like, I I don't know how they're able to how they're able to defend against that. It's just it's I think it's tough. gonna be too much. It's yeah. Gonna be difficult. All right, that's our that's our playoff preview, Ryan. I believe I have rapid fire this week. You do have uh, rapid fire. So uh, it's like we did last week. It's gonna be a relatively short one, but we'll start off uh, with this. Um, if you so the Met Gala was last night. Yes. You know, so they say if you were if you were a, a celebrity mm-hmm. and you were invited to the Met Gala. Yes. Would you take it? I would say, how would you how would you do it? Like, what would you dress? As what would, what would your outfit be, and would you take it deadly seriously, or would you do it as a joke? I would. It's funny because right now my wife and I are watching Making the Cut. Uh, what is that? It's Heidi Klum and oh, okay. Jim Gunn. It was, I guess, it was the show after Project, Project Runway. Runway. Yeah. Um, so I've seen a lot of fashion lately, and I would definitely. Take it serious because fashion's kind of like, yeah. I mean. They know, don't have sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I don't want to say it's like a joke, but it's like, you know, like, you know, from the outside looking like, in, on. it's like, that's really silly. But yeah. Okay. So I would definitely go like humongous. Yeah. And of course, it depends on the theme. Yes, yeah, right? true. Like this year it was Karl Lagerf- Lagerfeld, if yes, I'm not mistaken. I believe so. I don't even know what that theme is. Like, I don't. Well, he was a super famous. Like, yeah, I know uh, he was a designer, yeah, but like, yeah. I don't know what. And, that you know, his style. I yes, guess. but yeah. I don't know what his style is. Like I like I could right, be right. I could I could be wearing Karl Lagerfeld style right now. I don't know. You certainly are not. Ah uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I would definitely take it seriously, and I would wear something really ostentatious because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I would go like kilt. You know. I think I would go. I sure. would. I would do like Pedro Pascal's look last night was. Uh, it was like sort of big. Like I would. I would try and look as much like a. A. Uh, uh, like a, a vampire, I think, as much as possible. Like, I think Karl Lagerfeld would like that. Yeah, because I yes. believe that's what Pedro Pascal did. We did this big sort of flowing cape, but then he had like, um, then he had like almost like booty shorts on, kind gotcha. of. And and look, I think for for most men, myself included, my best feature is is the the thighs and the calves. I'd say. Okay. So you gotta you gotta let those get let those breathe. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think I would do that, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on to another one. Um, Succession. We yes. are moving. We are moving forward here. Uh, yes. It's crazy. I, at the end of the day, and I know that you've asked me this question, but after the events of the episodes yeah. since, who do you think is who do you think is going to win the succession? I'm I'm sticking to my guns. Yeah. I believe it's going to be Stewie. You think so? Okay. Yes, Stewie slash I guess you could just call it Team Sandy in mm-hmm. general. Um, I'm looking at all the chaos going on right now, and I even though. You know, it, it's kind of fun because watching the episode now, I directly go on to Twitter afterwards just to see what everybody's like talking yes. about. Yeah. And uh, obviously, Kendall was the big focus this week. Kendall going to the water at the end. And in my mind, it's like Kendall can he cannot end up happy. Yes. Because that he will sabotage any potential he has. Uh, and we're and Roman has just gone full self sabotage, which yeah. is fantastic to watch. Um, because that's just who he is as a character. So I still fully believe something will happen where uh, ultimately the board will supersede the kids and decide to put uh, Stewie in charge. I don't know if the I don't know if the Matson deal goes through or not. Yeah, I don't know. it could go either way. I maybe he takes over and decides that Stewie should run the ship. So my um, my answer is uh, is in the form of a quote here. Okay. 
So let's let's run let's run through this uh, in a hypothetical sense. Yeah, uh, uh, Brian. So I would say the negative case would go is you're a you're a clumsy interloper yeah. and no one trusts you. Right. The only guy pulling for you is dead, yeah. and now you're just married to the ex boss's daughter, and she doesn't even like you. Yeah, <laughs> and you are square uh, fair and squarely effed. Yes. I, I, I don't think it'll happen, but man oh man, every week they just give me another reason to love my boy Carl. Yes. I love him to death, uh-huh. and, I, and I want, out of the goodness, the bottom of my heart, for Carl somehow to end up at, at, the, at the top of the succession throne. But he doesn't even want it. He doesn't want, but he man. He just wants to get paid. But I just, I want him, <laughs> like, I, he is my favorite character. He uh-huh. is just there all the time, and right. the, <laughs> I, I I, I think it would be really nice for Jerry to to be just because of all she's had to put up with. Right. Um, the fact that even right before Logan was to uh, to pass away, mm-hmm. uh, um, he was about to oust her, basically. Yep. Uh, if you will, I, I think that she is, as she said, she danced us through. She danced them through a thunderstorm without getting them wet. Yes. That's what she said. And I think yes. that's great. But man, I just want my boy Carl to be happy. It'd be funny if it was like Frank and Carl, the 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 new disgusting brothers, as yes, they call them. Right. It'd be great. Um, and then uh, I guess sort of my final one would be, and this is back to hockey. Mm-hmm. What is your? I'm a big equipment nerd guy. Okay. I love. I like literally. If you look at me, whenever I leave the room, um, when I'm interviewing players, I always just take a long gander at the stick rack. Okay. What is your? I'm not sure if you have one, but okay. what is what is your uh, your most interesting or favorite like sort of equipment quirk from a player or a curve on their stick or mm. what's your favorite one of those? Okay, I think this qualifies okay. and this is a great promo okay. uh, for the next issue of the Hockey News. I which did this is, on purpose, I'm a company man. You are, of course. So we are doing 100 classic covers mm. because our archives have been digitized, they'll be available soon. Exciting. And so what we did is we picked 100 of our favorites from basically 1947 on mm-hmm. and, um, and then you got the cover, and then we did a little sort of like blurb about what the cover was about, some mm. of the cells. And so one of the articles was about superstitions. Mm-hmm. And the tale told was that former THN Washington Capitals correspondent Dave Fay, okay. apparently, this is mind-blowing even to me, apparently used to be able to go into the dressing room before games. What? Yes. No way. So, so Dave Fay is in the Caps dressing room before a game, accidentally knocks over goaltender Bob Mason's stick, which was like leaning somewhere. Bob Mason at this point is wearing all of his equipment and his helmet, but he's so superstitious that he takes off every single piece of equipment and has to put it back on. Wow. Yes, because his stick got knocked over. I love that story so much. So that's my favorite equipment-related quirk, is that Bob Mason had to take every single piece of equipment off, including his cage, because Dave Faye tripped over his stick. I mean, I, I don't know how I can compete with that. I mean, that's amazing. Like it's, I mean, the, I would say the closest thing to that is, is whenever, whenever we walk into the Leafs room, two, two freshly spray painted William Nylander sticks are at the, the farthest wall um, in the exact same position. And then one freshly taped Morgan Riley stick is, is on the opposite wall. And they're always there. Hmm. And no one's allowed to touch them, obviously. Uh, it's important there. I would say, um, I would say my, my favorite one is Danny Briere. Um, what he would do is he would, uh, he would order his sticks uh, in the summer. 
he would order his sticks with a very, uh, like, with a firm flex. Like, okay. because the thing about flex is the higher the number, the less flex it is. Mm -hmm. You know, so he would order them with, like, a, and he's a smaller guy. Yeah. So he would order them with, like, an 80 flex to start the year because he's fresh off training. He's as fresh as he can be. So right. he's, he, he thinks he's as strong as he will be. Mm. And then as the season goes on, this is, this also accompanies his, his blade flex. Mm. He will, as the season goes on, he will order his sticks less and less flex because mm. he realizes the toll of the season right. will take away some of that strength and he does and he wants the same whip on his stick. Uh -huh. So he so by the end of the season he's ordering sticks that are like 55 flex wow. going down. So it's it just shows a the the, the toll that it will take on a on a player sure. for the season and how that is reflected in their equipment. I, like I said, I'm a huge gear nerd. I love it. Um, and uh, like I used to go to the you know pro hockey shop or whatever and, and all the pro stock sticks were out there and I just see like what crazy stuff. Also obviously the Ryan O'Reilly completely straight blade except for the little sort of nose picker curve at the end <laughs> is my favorite. I love that. Um, but yeah, so that's rapid fire for me and that's all the podcast. Enjoy the first night of round two. Um, like I say with everything, it's the best time of the year. We'll be back next week to obviously go over series that are in full progress and break down whatever uh, happens in between.